about time to get started. And uh, I'd like to, as you make your way to your seats, I'll uh, ask you to bow and we'll start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Father, for calling us here this morning to, to learn about you. And, and Father, we are, we are always anxious to see you in your word and, and how you have treated your people and how you have led them and, and what that means for us and how you will treat us and lead us. And we pray, Father, that we can glean that from the text this morning and, and that you will have us catch those glimpses of you and, and see your hand guiding your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are um, continuing on with Judges, thank you, and uh, we'll be in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And as you know, the books of Judges, they don't start off with once upon a time, do they? No, so often we read, starting in verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And, and how, how true that is for us as well. How many times can we say that about ourselves, that, that we have done wrong also? So it's, it's, real easy to, it's real easy to throw the Israelites under the bus, but we're under that same bus. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and read chapter 6. It just takes five or six minutes. or cha- Yeah, chapter 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of the Midian, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped along the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them them and their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried, out, Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine presses to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, Lord, 
The, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? When they, when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I've come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, preparation, went in prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of, of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of the height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the, the daytime. In the morning, when the men of the city, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished and the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon 
Jerob Baal, saying, Let Baal contend with him, because he broke down Baal's altar. Now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece, and all on the fleece, and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. So the Israelites were doing evil on the side of the Lord. And he had allowed them to be oppressed by the people around them for seven years. You know, when you pay attention to these, you'll read that so quickly and you'll think, okay, they were oppressed for seven years. How many years have you been oppressed by another nation? I mean, we have no idea. We don't, you know, there are preppers. I get that. We make we make uh, provisions for emergencies, and, and there are things we do, but we don't, we don't have to go into the mountains and bring strongholds or build strongholds and, and fortify things. But, but that's man trying to take care of things. That's, that's the Israelites trying to protect themselves because God was not with them. So in Judges, again, we find that God sends a prophet to them. And when he sends a prophet and they listen to that prophet, the Israelites are, are protected by God, and, and God uh, comes back to them, or, or allows them to come back to him on his terms. And, and they're starting to do that here. This is, this is the beginning of, of another time where, where they will come back to him. In verse 6 it says, The children cried out to the Lord. Um, indeed, they had something to cry about. They, they would work and toil, and uh, go when it was time to harvest their crops, well, the multitudes would show up and destroy everything. But this shows us that even, even when they are not being so great, God is, is hearing their cries. Um, they cried out to the Lord, and he heard them. Um, he, he reached out to them. We should never be afraid to call out to the Lord. Um, do, we, do we do that enough? Do we, do we talk to him? Or do we wait until there's trouble? Do we wait till someone's encamped around us and we're, we're in desperation? You know, when, 
when we think about talking to God, we, we need to think about it as if he is a loved one, because he is, and he loves us deeply. And if you think about your own family, it is neglect when you don't talk to them for a long period of time. When you don't call your mother, or your father, or your children, and you don't, you don't touch base with them or see what they need, and, and see how they can help you. And, um, because that is loving, that being there for someone and, and uh, being part of their lives is, is loving them. And when we don't reach out to God and talk to him, we're not reciprocating the love that he shows for us. He will always hear us if, he is our, if we are his children. So he does hear them. And he sends his angel to speak to Gideon. Now Gideon is in the wine press threshing wheat. So why, why is he in the wine press? That's, that's for wine, for grapes. What, why is he in there? You remember from the text? Yeah, he's hiding. He's another sign that he is not trusting that God is going to protect him because he's not, he's not just going about his business. He's, he's in hiding. They're, they're, they're scared. The Midianites were stealing everything around them. Um, and, for, and again, for seven years. Often, um, often we talk about Gideon's courage because we know what happens later on. But, but was he courageous right now? Was this hiding in the, in the, uh, in the way that he is and, and uh, sneaking around? Um, that, that's not a courageous kind of uh, presence that he has. So the angel of the Lord comes to him and said to him, The Lord be with you, that you, might, you mighty man of valor. What, is, what does Gideon think about this? The Lord be with you, you mighty man of valor. Here he is hiding, and he's oppressed for seven years now, and he's scared like everyone else. Does he feel like the Lord is with him? Gideon's not so sure. Does this sound familiar from other accounts in the Bible? What about what about Moses? Um, was Moses ready to to take up God's cause and, and go back to free his people. Um, you know, uh, this, this encounter with Gideon, this was not a here I am, Lord, send me moment. Th- this, was, this was full of doubt. He insisted, uh, just like Moses, that, that he was weak and, and ill-prepared. But what, what does God do for us when we have these doubts? What, what did he do for Moses? Does anyone remember what, when Moses was doubting that he was able to do this, what did he do right away? He, Moses said he's, he's not able to speak to people. He's not a good speaker. So, so what did he do? He, yes, he gave him Aaron, right. He gave him help. And, you know, over and over again, we see where God comes to his people and they're human beings and he knows that they're human beings and, and he knows that we're going to have doubts. He knows that we are, we are going to feel inadequate 
um, especially when we're in a state of battery that he must have been in. Um, th this was his life. You know, it, it was not, they were not good times, and he did not feel like he was being taken care of. But, but the angel of the Lord appears to him and is there speaking directly to him. So Moses had a similar encounter. Um, what about Jonah? Jonah, also a man of God, um, he had a mission, and he was not happy about it. He, he had other, other issues besides feeling inadequate, but he, he, was, he was just not happy about the whole idea of going to Nineveh because those, those people are horrible. And, and so he was passing judgment on them, but, but he was second-guessing what God was asking him to do. But God knew what they could become. God sees our potential, doesn't he? And often we don't. We don't see the potential. We try to do things ourselves. We try to, we try to look at the situation and determine whether we are adequate to to accomplish this goal this, or this, this mission that we've, that's been placed before us. But, but we often don't look at the big picture. But if we believe in him, if we truly believe in him, shouldn't we trust him that he is going to provide his strength for these challenges in our lives? We should go where he leads us. We should... Yes, go ahead, Scott. God, God presents us with opportunities. Yes, God presents us with opportunities. Right. Yes. Right. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yes, um, Scott is saying that we we need to realize that we're presented with opportunities um, when God comes to us with challenges, and we often don't. I mean, we can't see the big picture. Of course, we can't see everything God has planned for us, but we need to recognize that the challenges that he places before us have a purpose. And it's not just for us. Um, thank you, Russ. Yeah. It is, it's part of his bigger picture. You know, it's real easy to think in a box or just think about your relationship with God and just, oh, God loves me. And, and I'm, I'm doing what he wants me to do and he saved me, but He's put us here and, and put us into action in his plan in order to help spread the gospel and in order to save others through his power. And we need, to, we need to remember that this is not about us. This is not about us being happy with God alone. 
So if we believe in him, we should trust him. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to have doubts. He, he knows we can com- become more than we are currently. He knows that we can grow. Um, Christy just shared a, a funny meme with me that she saw, and it was a picture of a, a beautiful sunset or something, and, you know, what you always see, some peaceful scene. And it says, today you're not the same person you were yesterday. You're worse. And it's... <laughs> That's funny, but, but it's kind of not funny if you're not with God because it's true. If you're not with God, you're getting further away from him, and you're, you're left to your own devices, and that, that is, that's worse than if you were once with him. So he knows our potential, and, and we're going to have doubts because we are human. We're fallible. But have you ever regretted listening to him? Have you ever regretted following God? Sometimes it's not easy, and you might feel overwhelmed. Um, But for most of us, he's not asking us to go before an invading army of (laughs) thousands and thousands, and as you know, what's coming is he, he's going to f- further humble the situation in the next chapter. Um, he, he is not going to leave men to their own devices. He's going to make sure that everyone knows that he is in control. So Gideon points out in, in verse 15 that he is the weakest from his clan. His, his clan is the weakest clan of Manasseh. And he is the least of his father's house. More excuses. He's not a man of prominence. He's not a leader. A glimpse of God that we can see here, that you'll see throughout his word, is that God chooses us. He chooses the weak and the humble to accomplish his will. Now, if, if you're here wanting to do God's will, that should be a humbling thing to you because <laughs> that means that you are recognizing that you are weak and that you are flawed and that it's, it's God that, that is giving the gain, the, the increase, and, and it's God's power that, is, that will be working in you, not your own. So one of the reasons that he does this that we can see is that he makes certain that, we, that he does not lead us into a prideful state. Over and over again, you can see God making provisions for us and, and making sure that we are not put or led into a prideful state. He does not want us to be proud of ourselves. He doesn't want us to operate from our pride. He wants us to give glory to him. And, and that is the opposite of pride, the pride that man has. God chooses his people differently, doesn't he? Sometimes we don't like his choice. And sometimes we really don't like his choice. 
But this can come, come down to a lack of faith for us. We, we need to continue to look at the big picture and to trust him. And, and when, when we're unhappy with the way things are going, even though we have, we've made sure to, to do in the, to the best of our ability the things that God has put in front of us to do, and, and we're, we're making an honest effort um, with as clear a conscious, conscience as a person can have, because we're going to continue to fall. We're going to continue to stumble. But, but each one of us knows when we're doing better than we were before. We know if we're a worse person than we were yesterday. When we do that, we see things that we don't like sometimes. And sometimes we get upset about it, but we need to trust him that he's going he's gonna to make that go according to his will as well. So in this state that Gideon is in, he is not, he's not feeling very confident. He's, he's been oppressed with his people, um, but God is, is choosing him in a different way. He's choosing him on his terms. God sees the leaders differently than we do. He's, he's not looking at his money or his status He's not looking at his standing or his tribe. He wants your heart, doesn't he? That's, that's what he sees. And no matter how much we think we can, we can see someone's heart, we, we really we can't. We can't read their thoughts. God knows what's inside of us. He knows what, what we're, we're thinking, how our minds work, and how our hearts work. And that's, that's relationship, isn't it? That's, that's something we have with each other and, and with him. But God wants someone that he can trust and that trusts him in a relationship. He, he doesn't want to be neglected by us. He, he's not neglecting us and he reaches out to us and he wants us to respond to him with faith. So when we are making judgments in our lives, we should use the same criteria to the best of our ability. We should be looking at things like courage, heart, faithfulness, and not status, power, intelligence. We have a real hard time thinking spiritually and letting go of the physical. It's, it's really easy to orient yourself physically and, and to take pride in, in things that are physical and temporary. God is trying to reach out to Gideon and, and encourage him to think spiritually and, and with a, a faith-filled purpose that he's, he's about to give him. Gideon is told to tear down the altar to Baal and, and tear down the wooden idols beside it. That, at night, that very night, he's asked to do that. Um, you know, the angel of the Lord appears to him and he 
something that I noticed in the text that when, when there's an encounter like this, it's so uh, mysterious. And there's time that passes that sometimes we miss, you know, like Abraham and Abram and Sarai at the time when, when the three visit them. And there's time there where they, he goes and prepares a meal. I mean, he, it's not just, he doesn't just turn on the stove. He's, he has to slaughter animals. And then this takes time. Well, something like a miniature version of that happens here where Gideon goes and prepares. He asks him to wait. He asks the angel of the Lord to wait. And he, he goes and prepares food and he brings it. And there's, there's this scene where he, you know, the angel doesn't eat the food, but he consumes it with fire from the rock and his staff. And, and this, this really happened. And this, this is very mysterious. But it took time for that to happen. It's, it's, it, it makes me think that we are so impatient with everything. We're impatient with what God is doing for us and, and we're impatient with you know, what's going on in our jobs and we're impatient. But, but in this time, this is like, he'd been impressed for seven years and, and, his, and generations before him, the same story. And, they, and everything takes so much effort in that in that place that they are. They, they have to walk everywhere. They have to, you know, if you want an animal to eat, you have to kill it yourself and, or, or you have to have your servants do it, but it, but it takes time. And, and so the, the food is consumed and, and then the angel of the Lord disappears. But then he keeps talking, doesn't he? And that, that's what struck me because right here you can see a glimpse of the proximity to God and how it's easy uh, for us to, to think, well, God's, God's out there somewhere. He's, he's in heaven, and the spiritual world is out there somewhere. I have no idea where, but that's not what you see in the scripture. It's, it's right here with us. And it's not far away. And Jerry, did you have a comment? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It's for the, the, the listeners online. They'll be able to hear you through the mic. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's interesting to note that uh, Midian, or Gideon had doubts. Yes. In fact, he, in this chapter alone, I think he's at least four times he asked God and the angels to prove, give him some proof that who he was and, and yes. what, what he was promising was going to be true. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Well, okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> they, right, Terry. You're always ahead of the game. I mean, that's just... You know, uh, and, and we today uh, express doubts. And even in, in, a, in the religious world, people will say, well, uh, God, if, if you're really there, show me. Uh, yes. Give me some kind of sign that, uh, <clears throat> well, we, we have the word. Yes. It's the Bible. Uh, so I'll let you uh, yes thank you asking for signs um, it's real tempting um, there's I, I have two comments about this you know I, I thought about this there's, there's other warnings in, in the scriptures about people of little faith ask for signs but I think I think you and I might be in kind of a little subcategory sometimes I know I am 
maybe I don't feel faithful enough that a sign would actually be produced if I ask for a sign. I, I feel like the people in the Old Testament that are asking for signs, they're expecting a sign. They're like, would you show me a sign? I want to see this sign. And they're expecting this sign. If we did that right now, would we expect to see a sign? I don't know if we really would. And I, I don't think God would show us a sign in the same way because this is now, and this, this, is, this is what he has in store for us, and, and this, this is a different time. So signs and wonders and miracles are, are not something that God does um, overtly to, for us. Um, I'm not saying he's not active in our lives and, and doesn't show us things and communicate with us, but he, it's different. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to pass judgment on the people in the Old Testament, but it's, it's almost a simpler time. It's a, it's a time of, of uh, fire and smoke and mountains and you know, things being written on stone and, and people being healed and, and flames coming out of rock and water coming from rock. And it's, it's very elemental and, and simple. And it's, and it's how he wanted it. He wanted it to be simple. And boy, things are not simple now, are they? They're it's so easy to get lost in everything we have here. All, this, all these distractions, all this stuff going on. But I just wonder if, if it's, you know, it, it's maybe a good thing that we're not asking for signs all the time, but I wonder if, if we always would have the faith to honestly ask for a sign. So God has Gideon tear down the altar he does this at night. Why, why did Gideon choose to do this at night? Well, he chooses to do it at night, I think, because he's trying to avoid conflict. He, well, he says, it says because he's afraid of his household and the people of the town. Is that, is that a, a weakness on Gideon's part? Is that, is that a lack of faith that he doesn't just rush out there and, and tear this down? Or... Or is it prudence? Does this seem like a better plan? It, uh, Gideon was not trying to purposefully bring a fight. He, was, he tears, tears, down, tears down the altar at night for his safety and the safety of his servants. You know, uh, a verse that came to mind is, for as much as it is in your power, be at peace with all men. Well, this was not going to be something that brings peace in his community. This, this was an upheaval. Um, we can stand up for God and still do it smartly, can't we? I think sometimes we get puffed up and, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Well, that, that's great. I, I agree with that. But you need to be standing and, and uh, you know, leading the cause in a, in a respectful, peaceful way. That, you know, there's a time for, for arms. There's a time for violence. But when we have an opportunity to do something smartly, we should. We should do it peacefully. We don't need to put targets on our backs. Um, 
We can stand for truth without needlessly bringing conflict. Um, <clears throat> I, went, I meant to um, mention this when I started the class that these wonderful comments that I have are largely uh, Stephen Heffington's <laughs> notes. I have his notes in here, and I'm and so this is a mixture of my comments and Stephen's comments. And so the good ones are, I'm sure, Stephen's, and and uh, I, I've embellished on those and, and added to those, but um, I, I'm covering for him in this, for, for just this one class, but um, he has this very nice outline that he provided me, and, and it's been uh, good to study from. So we have, um, we have examples of Jesus avoiding crowds and avoiding conflict, don't we? And, and they, sometimes when I'm reading that, I, it strikes me funny because he kind of, he disappears into the shadows and he's evasive. And, <clears throat> but if, you, if you're paying attention, it's, he's saying this is not the right time. He's, he's in control. He is, he is the authority and the creator among us decides what and how, um, what should play out and, and how it should play out. But that is a good example for us. We, we have example of, um, examples of Paul in crowds and, and conflict. Um, we shouldn't go looking for trouble. We shouldn't poke the dragon. It's okay to avoid conflict while standing for the truth. So, even though Gideon has all these doubts, and um, he's, he's not real confident at first. You know, he's talking to this angel, and he's not even sure who he's talking to. And he kind of has to, he kind of has to be convinced. And, and I think the fire consuming the, uh, the meal in front of him would, you know, that, I think that would be enough for us, too. Like, whoa, this is not a regular passerby. And what they're saying, I, I should listen to. And, and then the fact that he's still talking to him when he's not visible is also another indication that, that he is speaking to the Lord. But even in his hesitancy, he did, he did something that risked his life that night when he tore down that altar. He does show courage when needed. Um... But is he convinced at that point? As Jerry pointed out, no. He's not, he's not convinced. He needs a sign. He wants, um, he wants something out. He's still anxious, and he's still a human being. And again, we, we need to think of his, his environment and his upbringing. And, and uh, this, this is a known thing, that God gives signs. God has given signs and provided evidence. Um, he doesn't have Christ at this point, does he? He doesn't have the whole story. What does that say about us? We, we have the whole story. What does it say about our faith? And, and uh, you know, when, when we are tempted to ask God for, for a sign, I think Jesus covers that. I, I, think, 
I think we need to be careful uh, when we feel that way. But God is patient. God is God is willing to He's willing to do things for us to help us be convinced. God wants us to come to him. And he he wants us to be convinced of what he's telling us. And who better to know how to, who, who would be better at knowing how to convince us than the one who made us? So, yes, Gideon is asking for signs and he, he wants this fleece to be wet, he wants the ground to be dry, and then, that's eh, not quite enough. It's, oh, yes, go ahead, we have a comment here. Well, I think the signs that we're looking for today is in our prayers. Sure. We want our prayers to be answered. Yes. And a lot of times we're not willing to wait. You know, we expect them to be answered now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and we have to be prepared to hear no, <laughs> too. You know, the, yes. You know, uh, the the signs we're looking for today are in our prayers. Yes, that's a good point. That's a good point. Does anyone else have a, a comment? Or, yes. You know, uh, my signs my, my signs come to me from uh, the reflection of my past. Mm-hmm. As I read the word and of, of the Bible, I can see where God gave me the sign where he, where he helped me in my the things that happened to me in the past I can see where he was there so I don't really ask for signs but I read and see my past where <laughs> he was there helping me without asking for a sign so would you say you're not the same person you were yesterday definitely yeah amen amen Thanks, thank you for that Um, But let's notice how Gideon approaches God, not with arrogance, but with humility, doesn't he? He he does it reverently. He's, he's, sorry, but can you just show me one more, one more thing? Now, this time I'd like it to be dry on the fleece, and we're we're just like, oh my word, yeah. But... I don't know how we'd re- we would react in that situation. Um, it, it reminds me of, uh, of Abraham also, you know, when he's pleading with him about going down and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, he's, he's, he's reverent. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry to bother you. Just one more time. I, I'm just going to diminish that number of righteous just a little bit more. And surely you wouldn't do this for this many people. You know, he's, he's pleading with God and, and uh, pleading with his righteousness. And as you know, it, it comes to pass. He, he does destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But there's just a few inside. But he still makes provisions for Lot and his family. Lot tries to get his, his uh, daughters betrothed, but they won't listen. Lot and, and his wife and his daughters are they're overwhelmed by, by what's going on around them, and they're, they're not really getting it done. They're not getting the job done. They're not getting out of there. So what, what, is, what do the angels do? They grab them by the hand, and they lead them out of danger. He is constantly doing that for us. 
And so he's just been led, you know, what, what, was, what was told, the destruction of the city and, and the entire valley is, is coming about all around them. So Lot knows that this was true and that these are the angels of God and that this is real. And they tell him to flee to the mountains. Ah, I can't go to the mountains. I'm, I'm too weak to go to the mountains. I'm not going to... He, he's, he's worried still. He's worried still. So what does God do? He allows him to go to a nearby city and, and take refuge there for a time. He just, he's constantly doing that for us. He's constantly, I wouldn't say that he's making compromises for us. I wouldn't put it that way, but I would say that he is patient and, and he is, he's willing, he's willing to, to do things to help us feel better and understand better. Um, and and he's, he's certainly willing to save us. In, and, you know, these, these types of saving, this, this type of saving is a physical saving that we're talking about, but he has saved us to the utmost. And so that's what we have here now. We have that understanding that we don't need to be worried about the physical, because he has taken care of everything to the utmost in Christ. And we didn't get it nearly as far as I wanted to in this, but thank you for your attention and, and your time, and we, I will uh, dismiss you to prepare for worship. Thank you.